Hi, friends, and welcome. I am your hot mess of a host, Mary Hendricks from The Very Merry Life, your new mom friend that soon will feel like an old friend. Every week, I want you to come and join me as we cover moments in motherhood, marriage, sex, and more. Some moments worth savoring, others worth surviving, all with a laugh, pep talk, or F-bomb every now and again. I want you to come as you are, but leave the sugar coating behind because, guys, we know how sweet it already is. So what do you say? Up for picking some daisies? And hello. Welcome back to another episode of the very... Why do I keep doing that? The Picking Daisies podcast. I don't know why, but this episode, the last episode, I have been starting off my podcast defaulting back to my original podcast name, which was The Very Merry Life Unfiltered. And it hasn't been that way for quite some time. And I don't know why I keep defaulting back to that. But it's fine. We're just going to run with it. Anyway. Hi. Hello. We're here. You're getting me in my kitchen right now. I hope this sounds okay. If there's a little bit of an echo, it it would be just because I'm sitting in my kitchen to record this. Typically, I record these in my room. I'm really hoping to one day be able to create a podcast space of some sort down in my basement. But I'll be honest, I love that idea, except I hate the idea of going down in my basement. I hate it's cold down there (laughs) and I hate being cold. So I'm like, oh, I love it for like I can make it look all cute and whatnot, but also I wish it was like near a fireplace, which I have mine on right now. So anyway, I am solo. Typically today, every other week, I would have Katie on with me, but Katie is actually up in New York. She's close to me uh, visiting family and it's just been a crazy week for her. So you're getting me the day before this is coming out. I try and keep these as close to like release as possible. I should probably not make it this close to release because now I'm going to record this and then get off and have to edit it and procrastinate on that and then stress out about it, which is what I do, but that's just the way I work. I'm trying to fix it. (laughs) I'm trying to fix it, but um, you're going to get me solo. What I want to talk about today, I again, when I record solo, I'm not going to make these episodes super, super long. Um, I'll update you in terms of like a couple of things uh, that's going on here, but Ultimately, I'm going to pick kind of like a subject that we can talk about. And today's subject is closing the chapter on the baby making years. And um, if you've been following along on Instagram, you know that I have been talking about this. And it's something that is, it's it's just a big, big transition. And there's a lot of feelings around it. But before we get into that, let's do a little life update. If you haven't been following along on Instagram, um, I'm sitting in my kitchen. I'm staring at a sink full of dirty dishes. Our dishwasher has been broken for almost two weeks now. Super frustrating. Um, yeah, super frustrating. If you buy an appliance, I'm going to actually relay this. That way you want to learn from me. I had someone come out here. Actually, no, it's not been two weeks. It's been a week. So we're okay. I'm exaggerating. It broke last Thursday. I had someone come out on Monday to try and fix it. And the guy that came, he advised me that the fix would cost more than what a brand new dishwasher would be. So we were like, oh, fuck. We're just going to have to get a new dishwasher. That's not necessarily something in our savings. I don't really want to do that, but whatever. So just as, as as I was about to go purchase a new dishwasher, I all of a sudden I'm very type B. I don't know if anyone else here is, but I'm very type B. Um, I would be shocked if you hadn't already recognized that about me. I'm not very organized. I'm not type A in the slightest. Uh, I have my own organized chaos type of life where I understand my chaos, but not many other people do. <laughs> so uh, it it makes things interesting at times, especially makes things interesting in terms of like the podcast 
business or like the very merry life business side of things. Cause I am a scatterbrained mess. And one day I hope that I can like rein my brain in together. I honestly need to go get assessed for ADHD, but do you see how I just tracked off on that? That's, that's why. But anyway, I am not a organized person. And yet for some reason, a light bulb went off in my head and I realized that I have this, the receipt saved from when we bought this dishwasher. Our dishwasher was bought in 2021. So it's two years old or not even, it's not even a full two years old yet. And, um, I went and I found it and thank God, I don't remember even doing this. I bought the five-year protection plan. So I called, I called Lowe's where, which is where we bought it. And I filed a claim and on the phone at the time they said, okay, we'll send someone out on Wednesday. Today is Thursday. And then they called me on Tuesday before that Wednesday appointment, um, saying that they overbooked Lowe's overbooked us, um, because the schedule that they run off of is not accurate and that they've earliest that they can come out here is Monday. So we are still hanging with a broken dishwasher and I can guarantee you they probably won't have the parts that they need for it come Monday. And it's going to be even longer. I can, I can already guarantee it. I know how this is going to work. So I don't know. It's, it's totally, this is a first world problem. Like this is not the end of the world. I can deal. It's just like when you have three kids and a lot of people grabbing continuous cups throughout the day, it's just like the last thing I want to do, but I'm going to go with it because I really do not want to spend like, I mean, a dishwasher. Like if we went with like a mediocre dishwasher, it would cost like $700, which actually this is something he told me. So if you're wanting to know something about dishwashers, um, our appliance guy had told us that to never buy a Samsung and never buy an LG, anything, any sort of appliance, avoid them at all costs. He says that they're too computerized, which is what we have. We have a Samsung and uh, that's why the parts are so expensive because of this, that they're so computerized that they almost do too much and then short circuit or short out in some manner. And that's what happened to ours. And he said brands that he would recommend after doing much, a ton, a ton of research and just his own work of working in appliance repair. He said to KitchenAid, trust KitchenAid, Bosch Ascenta, which I guess is the lesser expensive version of Bosch appliances, but he says they're still just as good. Um, or Bosch, if you want to spend the extra money, Bosch in general is really good. And uh, he said GE is also another good brand. But if you look on the inside of the dishwasher and you don't see any bolts on the inside, like the outer perimeter of the dishwasher of a GE, to not do it for some reason. I don't know what his reasoning was, but that was what he told me, and I'm going to go with it. So. I'm just sharing that here in case you were planning on buying any sort of appliance soon. Do not go with a Samsung or an LG. I shared that over on Instagram and the amount of people that reached out to me and said, I 1000% back that up because we are having such issues with ours. Uh, it's ridiculous. So LG, Samsung, if anyone here works for LG or Samsung, don't contact me to work with me. I'll, I won't <laughs> unless you want me to rep a phone. LG, you were good for your your chocolate cell phone days. Do you remember those? Do you guys have, do you remember those LG chocolates? Best phone ever, like a flip phone with like a little keypad in the inside. Oh, that was so much fun. I remember those days. I, I was like texting T9. You remember texting like that? It's great. Great time. Anyway, um, that's what's happening life-wise. Haley's going to be turning two soon, which is freaking wild to me. Um, and then Spencer, the one big thing that I can say with him is that I just got a piece of paper in his backpack yesterday that um, 
so that I can enroll him for kindergarten next year. He's in preschool right now. He's four. And I am a, I don't know what to really do in this sense. I have to talk to his teachers more and see what I can do. And the big reason for that, and I've talked to teachers outside of this and I've gotten their two cents, but Spencer is turning five in September. So I can enroll him in kindergarten, but if he starts kindergarten, he'll still be four when he starts kindergarten. Um, the cutoff for kindergarten registration is October 24th. So as long as you turn five by then you can start kindergarten. And, um, everyone I've talked to educator wise, or like a former educator in some manner have all recommended holding your child back, especially if it's a boy. My grandpa used to always say that my grandpa was a teacher and he used to always say it in terms of sports, which you'll hear people say that. I kind of think that's a little weird um, just because I feel like that's putting such a, I don't know, it's like such a a thing to put on a little boy, like that they need to be good at sports. I don't know. It's just a very stereotypical standard that we're placing on them, but that, well, that and Spencer doesn't give a shit about sports. He cares about like letters and numbers and things like that, but that could change. Anyway, I could register him. He's smart enough to, he's actually, his teachers recommend me enrolling him in kindergarten because academically my son is very, very, very smart. Um, and I'm not saying that in a bragging, like every parent thinks their kid is smart type of manner. Like he is very smart, like shockingly smart. He can say the ABCs forwards, backwards. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast long enough, long enough, you know, that that's actually been a point of concern in a few ways. Um, but he's a fully functioning kid that's very social also. So I don't really know, but I, I just think he's super smart in academics and uh he exceeds many kindergarten expectations already. Like my daughter is in kindergarten and he knows more than what she does and what most of her classmates do. So educationally, he's there. He's ready for kindergarten. Actually, he's like on a first grade level with many things. So he's ready for that, but it's socially maturity, emotional wise, he's not ready in any capacity. And that's where I get concerned because I could hold him back and put him into the preschool program again, which is run out of our our elementary school. But he is with three and four-year-olds, which I don't think is fitting for him either. And I can talk to the preschool teacher and see if they can scale him up. But the downside about him being at a public school is that there's only so much they can do individually. That's the downside about public schools. Like they can they can tailor, but they also have a crap ton of other students that they have to design a lesson plan for. And they can't just take time to make sure that Spencer is scaled all the way up while all the other students are doing a different lesson. Does that make sense? So I gotta I gotta figure that out because I could put him in kindergarten. If I put him in kindergarten, chances are he's probably gonna be in the gifted program in first grade anyhow, which means he'll be with older grades. I just, I get concerned because obviously the emotional, you know, maturity aspect, but I also worry just a social aspect being like my, my husband was younger of his class. He graduated high school and he started college when he was 17 because the cutoff for him, I believe was December and his birthday's in November. He hated that. He hated that so much growing up where I don't want to do that to Spencer. And I don't know if it's right or wrong for me to like think about it this far where I'm like, he would be the last to get his license. He would be the last to go to the bars. <laughs> like, and you know, think, say as you will, but I'm pretty realistic that my kids probably, God willing, have a healthy relationship that they can go to the bars and and do that in a healthy, respectful manner. But I, I think about that in a 
a social way of being like, that sucks. I don't want him, like, you know, if he has all these friends that are older than him, then he's going to be the one sitting back. And then also, this is a weird concept. I also think about it in terms of future like dating in grades and stuff like that. Like I know it's weird, but there is a weirdness when a boy is younger than a girl. And I don't know why that is, but I remember that as a kid, when you would hear of a girl dating a kid that's younger than her, it was always looked at weird versus if a boy was dating a girl that was a little bit younger than him, it wasn't as weird. I don't know if anyone else can relate to that, but I also think about that where if he's in a grade where all these other kids are older than him, would that impact in any way? I don't know. I don't know. But that's like the stuff that goes through my head. You have like every thought where I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. So I don't know. There's no resolution right now. I don't have to make a decision, but that is definitely something that's going to be on my brain as I figure that out. So anyway, that's what's going on here. Not a whole lot. Just life and getting through January, which is a miserable month. But um, let's talk about the closing of a chapter. No more babies. That is something recent that has been pretty much decided. And that pretty much is kind of that keyword that I want us to pay attention to because I recently saw a video and I'm going to play it here in a second. There's no hate to this creator at all. She's literally just regurgitating things that parents who are on the fence about having more kids are constantly being told. And um, I get it because I've, I've heard them myself. Whenever I ask people, if I were to go on my Instagram stories right now and just say, hey, I'm on the fence about having another baby, what what advice could you give me? I guarantee the two tidbits of advice that this creator gives would be what's thrown back at me. I've heard it before already. Um, and I'm going to grab it and we're going to we're gonna talk about it. Mm, okay. I also got to get a plug from my... If you're about to have your first baby and you're like... All right. Let me find this chick's video. Okay. So it says on the fence about having another baby. And the second one that really stuck with me is think about your future 20 years from now when your kids are grown or much older, obviously not in the newborn and difficult toddler stage. So with that future in mind, with the current amount of children you have, picture they come over for dinner or you guys are hanging out, whatever the case. How do you feel? Do you feel content? Maybe a little sadness that they're grown, but you're content with what you see? Or are you like, man, I really wish I had more children coming over? And that one really stuck with me because I know even as a sibling, how close me and my siblings are as adults. And I love it. And I know not all siblings are that way, but just thinking about if I didn't have them, not even as a parent, as a sibling. Wow. But yeah, from a parent perspective, just give that a thought if you're on the fence. If you're watching on YouTube and you're seeing a different room behind me, it's because I just had to switch because my computer was going to die. So there's that. I'm a cluster F of a human being, if you haven't noticed that yet. Um, so, so with that being said, with this creator, so her first tidbit, if you are on the fence about having more kids, what she has been told is that if you don't feel like you're done having kids, then you're probably not done. And I get it. I have been told that countless times. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I think that is such a toxic take. And again, no hate to her. She's literally just verbatim repeating what multiple, multiple people are going to tell you. And maybe that helped her. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you a different perspective because I just... I also know a lot of women who hear stuff like that and then just find it even harder to move on in this next transition. And I'm one of those ladies. Like, I don't feel done. I don't think I will ever truly feel done from wanting to have more kids. And the the analogy that I want to say about it is I am keeping the door cracked open 
because it is too scary for me to close it all the way, but I have no intentions of walking through that door. Does that make sense? So for me, I am comfy leaving that crack open of of hope that maybe one day I could change my mind with no intention of truly wanting that. Like I don't feel done, but it doesn't mean that I want more kids. And I think it's a, a little bit of a toxic way of thinking because instinctually, I think just natural, naturally, our bodies want to be pregnant. That's just in the way our species is. We're, we're animals at the end of the day. Our bodies are designed to get pregnant. I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but when I am ovulating, I become a horn dog. I want my husband more than any other time. It's wild. Why do you think that is? It's because my body is like, dude, we're going to get you knocked up, even though I don't want that at all. And it's like a mind fuck. <laughs> it's a mind fuck. Because even like the other night, not to get TMI, but we, we had a little pickle party, a real pickle party. <laughs> I joked about that the other day on, on Instagram. Um, we had a pickle party. I'm going to call it that. And uh, I was trying to convince Kevin that we should not take precautions. And he was like, you're out of your mind. And I was like, I know. I know it's my hormones. I apologize in advance, but let's do it. <laughs> and, uh, but I don't want that. I don't want that in the slightest. I don't want that. So with that being said, I don't think I will ever feel done instinctually, but also I think it's a very surreal thing. And I think by me not saying I'm done is done for, is done for a couple of reasons. For one, it's surreal. It is so surreal for me to think that my baby making days are over when I feel like they just began. Time never moves as fast as it does than when you're a mom. And I think everyone here, whether you're a parent or not, can probably guess that that's true based off of who you will talk to and how quick things happen, even your own life. If you're not a parent yet, think about how fast it's gone for you. Can you believe that you're no longer 14, that you're no longer eight? Like all of these years have just flown and they go even quicker when you are watching your own child go through them. And I think it's just a very surreal thing to all of a sudden look up and be like, whoa, time has moved on. And there's a lot of acknowledgement there of your kids are getting older. You are getting older. Your own parents are getting older. Like things are just changing and it's, it's a lot. Sometimes that is a very overwhelming feeling of us wanting to slow things down. It's like trying to grip onto sand. It's just impossible. And it's a little scary, honestly. And I think for me, by saying I'm not done, it's just, it's not, it's a, it is a denial <laughs> in some sense. It is totally a denial and I'm okay hanging out there for now. If it makes it feel better for me, then do it. Um, another reason why I don't think I can say I'm done, again, it's that denial, but it's also grief. And I recently talked about that. I had a poem that I recently put out on Instagram. If you go to my Instagram page, if you're brand new here, I have it pinned. It's one of my top poems. It actually just hit 2 million views, which I love hearing. Um, but in this poem, I talk about the closing of that chapter and the grief that accompanies it and how weird that grief is. Because on one end, it's so relieving. Like for me, I am so relieved. I have all the baby clothes. Like I've started donating some stuff, but I have baby clothes that I can start clearing out and we can get rid of stuff. And like, it's just nice to think that like the hard, hard moments of the years that I'm in are coming to a close. That's very reassuring. But on the flip side, and I've said this before in past podcasts, is that it's incredibly heartbreaking at the same time too. 
time is either your best friend or it's your enemy, depending on the day, depending on the moment. And when closing a chapter like this, it's both of those things at once because it's just, there's a lot of emotions and a lot of people don't recognize that. And I think for me in not fully saying like, well, you know, I I don't feel a hundred percent done or things like that up until this moment, it's just been putting off the grief because I, it's, it's a lot. Um, like even going through, I have, like I said, I have baby clothes downstairs that I cannot bring myself to get through quite yet. Cause I, I pulled them out and, you know, stacked them all on top of each other. It's just a bunch of bins. And I started crying cause I opened up one and I saw a little towel that I used to wrap around Cassidy. And I'm going to keep a bunch of these things to hand down or possibly make a quilt. Cause I've heard about, about people saying, recommending doing that, but, um, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. So if you're not done, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have more kids. It might just mean that you are human and you're feeling a lot of emotions. And those emotions can be incredibly scary to have to acknowledge and fully encounter and fully embrace. And you might just be comfy and cozy riding on that fence of saying, I don't know. You can say that. You don't have to say I'm done. You can just say, I don't know. And you can keep on saying that until the day comes that your body is officially done. So that's the first tidbit that I'm going to feed back on her little point. The second point that she makes is I want you to envision how your table should look. Like, how do you want your table to look in many years from now when your kids are grown, when you're out of these hard years? How do you want your table to look? Like, picture sitting down at Thanksgiving and you look around and your kids are grown up. Like, how do you want that to look? How many kids do you want sitting around you? And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful image to have in your head. And I think it it, it should be there. I think that's a, a great thing to visualize. And I think visualization, visualization matters. But the biggest question of all that I would pose is how do you want your table to feel more than anything else? Because you can look around. And I think the biggest tidbit when we're envisioning what our table looks like is we are forgetting the emotion that we're picturing. So obviously, I would imagine if you're picturing your table, you're picturing everyone looking happy, that you're picturing everyone being content, that you're looking at everyone who had a good childhood, that remembers their mom not being burnt out, that remembers their mom and dad having a healthy relationship where they were actually able to spend time with each other, where they're remembering their siblings and them all getting adequate and equal attention and love. You know, um, that's what I want to encourage more is how do you want it to feel? Are you sitting at that table happy? Are you sitting at that table having joy and joy in something else outside of your family? Do you have a life? Are you happy to be in the spot now that your kids are gone and now home for dinner? (laughs) Are you happy and content in your marriage? Are you and your spouse loving it? This empty nest syndrome or or time in your life, not syndrome, empty nester period of your life. Because obviously, if you're envisioning your table, that means that your kids are going to get up and go from that table. What's it going to look like when your kids get up and leave to go back to their own homes? How are you going to feel after they're gone? That's those are These are the questions to ask instead, is how do we want to feel? Because I get it. I think siblings are great. I have siblings of my own. I love my siblings. And I love that I was able to give my kids siblings. But I can tell you right now, a big reason as to why I'm fairly confident in our decision to be done right now, at least, I could totally change my mind. And, you know, I'm, I'm 33. I, I have time. I can change my mind in a couple of years. Um, but for now, I can't do it great. 
I can't. And I'm very open about it. Like when I had three, having three was a lot and I'm never going to sugarcoat that. I personally didn't feel like it was as much of a transition because I felt like one to two rocked my world more than two to three did. But two to three is not easy. Having three children is not easy. You are outnumbered officially outnumbered. Um, and with every child that you bring in, and this is not supposed to be a negative, I think it's just a very realistic thing that we have to expect. Every time you bring in an additional child, something is going to shift as it should. And sometimes sacrifices have to be made in order to account for the shifting, which we will happily do. But those sacrifices also have to happen to our kids' lives. Like for me, when we had Haley, Haley was, you know, she was born in February. So by the time summer came around, spring, summer came around, she was less than six months old. My kids wanted to go to our HOA pool and it was like 95 degrees outside and humid. I couldn't bring them safely to the pool because they're both very little. So I couldn't just bring them to the pool and let them go play on their own. Um, And I couldn't bring a newborn baby with us. So I couldn't go. So I either had to wait till my husband had off on the weekends to bring him to the pool, or I had to just tell him no and go run in the sprinkler in the backyard, which they happily did. But I still felt like shitty about it. I still still felt really bad. And even when my husband did take him to the pool, I stayed home because it was too hot for me to bring the baby. So it was just like little things like that where I realized it was harder and like Cassidy at the time when we had Haley, she had speech therapy um, that we had to drive to. And thankfully, it's moved to being more virtual at this point. But I remember being like, oh, my God, I have Haley. And Haley was screaming in the backseat because we had to drive an hour to the speech therapy appointment. And then I just kept thinking, like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to keep on doing this when I have a newborn and appointments for her? And then I think about Spencer, who's getting stuck in the middle, and he is a middle child. He totally shows moments of having middle child syndrome, which eats me alive. Um, But it's just just the way it goes sometimes. And we're trying everything in our power to give him adequate attention, but it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult when you bring in an additional sibling, and it's fine. My kids are going to adjust fine. Your kids are going to adjust fine if that's where you're at. But I'm being very honest with myself at this point and saying, can I do this? Great. If I were to bring another baby in right now, would it enhance our lives or would it slow us down in a more negative way? And I can tell you right now, it would slow us down in a more negative way. It, 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 I would embrace it. If all of a sudden I found out I was pregnant tomorrow, I would embrace it. Absolutely. Um, and we would absolutely figure it out. Like, you know, that's just the person I am. But it would be messy. And I am very tired of messy. I'm very, I'm, I'm done with survival (laughs) because I've been in survival for a very long time and I'm tired of, of messy. Um, I'm ready and it's, it's, it's time, I believe. So at least right now, like I said, I could totally change my mind, but if I change my mind, I've said this time and time again, if I change my mind, if we are to welcome in another baby, I want that baby to feel like it is the first time. Like if I'm going to do it last time, I want it to feel like it did the first time where I don't have to get up and I can sit on the couch with the baby on my chest and I can really just soak it in. But if I were to have a baby right now, I will not be able to do that. And I think that's also another big reason as to like the surrealism of slowing things down is you get that with your first baby. But when you're second, you're third, you almost feel like you're going to redeem yourself. Like every time you're going to redeem yourself and it's going to get a, like easier to remember how to grab on, grip on. And it, it 
for me, it personally didn't. Like every time I still was in the same postpartum fog. And that's another thing I think about is postpartum and finances and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't, I, I think I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but you guys can sense where I'm at in, in the closing of that chapter, but also advice like that, where if you also are on the fence, that's okay. Ask those, th- ask those questions to yourself. Are you, are you doing it because an ex- is, it's an expectation? Are you doing it because people are pressuring you to have another kid? One thing that drives me nuts, um, I talked about this recently on like the Threads app, is I constantly am told with like the decision about like, you know, if we were to have a fourth ever, the big thing that I'm constantly told is what's one more? (laughs) And I don't like that. I hate when people tell me that because, and I get it, like, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, my life is already chaotic, but it is one more. And I think that that's a, a little, again, a toxic way of thinking and a toxic thing to say to someone because what's one more? It's one more person. This is not a guinea pig that we're getting. If we were talking guinea pigs, then sure, by all means, even then, that sounds like hell. <laughs> you know about the whole guinea pig fiasco with me. But um, this is a person. This is a human being that we are then going to have to up, up and uproot our lives and shift our entire lives around again. So it's, it is one more. It is one more big ass thing um, that should be taken very seriously. Um, it's it's not a minor little thing. Having kids, no matter how many kids you have, should never be a minor thing at any point. Unless you're in a spot in life where you can afford every single little thing and have all the help in the world, um, by all means, pop them out and have fun. But most people don't have that. <laughs> and instead, we have all the pressure as if we do. And uh, I think it's I think it's absolutely nuts. It's absolutely nuts. So if you feel like you're being pressured by family or by friends or just by standards, like you can have a baby and be done. You can have one and be done. You can have two and be done. You can have however many babies you want. And when you feel like you're done or kind of done, you're allowed. You're allowed to sit on that fence. And it doesn't mean that you're not that you're not wanting or that you want another baby. It just means that you don't know. And you're allowed to say that. You're allowed to. And you're allowed to not always be able to handle it too. I think that's another thing too, is I think there is a standard where if we say, I don't think I can handle more than a certain amount of kids, it's a failure in some aspect. Like, what's wrong with me? Like Cynthia across the street has five kids. How come I can't have that many and handle it as well as she does? Well, you have no idea what's happening behind closed doors. Okay. You have no idea what support systems, what help she is getting, what what things she has access to and what things she doesn't versus you. Okay. So um, that's another thing. And then the last tidbit that I can add is, I don't remember what I was just saying. And then the last thing that I can say is ask yourself why you want a baby. Why? Really, really think about it because I, and I, I'm saying this not again, it's not a deterrent. I'm just very honest with this. I think that a big reason as to why, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts, that a big reason as to why a lot of women continue with the babies and continue not being honest with themselves and not being self-aware with themselves and taking on more than they can sometimes handle is because we are so afraid of having to confront ourselves. It is. I think it's a security blanket. I think babies are a security blanket. And I can tell you that even with myself, I think there is a form of security um, of knowing that my life is slowed down right now, knowing that 
you know, I, I can use a baby as an excuse almost. I can kind of pour all of myself and all of my identity into my kids and not really have to confront myself and really get to know myself. And I think a lot of us are not comfortable doing that. And I think because of that, we just keep on going because we're not ready. There is a lot of us that are, I think are avoiding ourselves and we're doing that with other people. And I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm one of them. So it's not, not to make anyone feel bad. I'm one of them. And I've just, I'm, this is my year of being very honest with myself and very self-aware as to who I am, what I love and, and what that means for me in terms of myself and also my family. So anyway, those are my, my, you know, food for thought in all of this. If you're sitting on the fence, um, there's no right and there's no wrong. You're allowed to sit on the fence. It is, it is a scary transition to take both feet off of the fence and put it all on one side and continue walking forward, especially because the little kid years have been built up so tremendously. The baby making years have been built up so tremendously that I think the years forward and past that are so not often talked about that it's it's intimidating. All we hear are negative sides about our kids getting older and leaving and becoming teens and cranky kids and things like that. And yeah, it's going to change. And yeah, it's going to be heartbreaking. And yeah, it's not always going to be fun. But I don't think, I think the only way we're ever going to learn that is by doing it when we're feeling comfortable too. But until then, sit on that fence, baby. Sit on, sit on that fence as long as you need until one day, like I said, your body just tells you that it's not possible anymore, which um, is fine. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to keep on making sure it doesn't happen until one day that my body naturally can do that on its own. And then we're... Oh yeah, that'll be fun. I can't wait Ugh, to not have to take precautions. <laughs> that'd be so fun. So anyway, all right, end of the podcast. That's it. I talked for 35 minutes. That is long enough for me. Um, that's my two cents. I'm going to have Katie back here next time. I should have a guest next week. Again, this is only once a week now, which is far easier. I got to re refigure things out on this whole podcast front. Um, I really want to like blow this out of the water. I just... I have so many things on my plate. And like I said in the beginning, I am such a scatterbrained mess that it's been incredibly hard for me to um, figure out what I want to do uh, with it. But I love it. And I love talking and I love sharing what I know and what I think and what I love with you guys. Uh, and then also bringing on guests that can do the same. So anyway, that's it. Go rate the show if you haven't done so already. And uh, stay tuned for more fun to come another episode down. Thank you all so much for listening. If you love today's episode, I would be so appreciative if you would leave a rating and review. I cannot begin to tell you how much those mean to me, but also how much they help me get in front of more eyes and more ears. As always, be sure to check back every Tuesday and Friday for a new episode, whether it's an episode with me, me and my husband, me and Katie, or just another incredible, amazing guest. Stay tuned for more honest, real, raw chit-chat. And hey, do me a favor before you go. Remind yourself how amazing you are, how enough you are, how special you are. And boy, oh boy, I sure am glad to have you here. Thanks, friend.